It's the Sunday Cafe with Roman Travis on Magic Talk. G'day, good to have you along. Kia ora. I hope you're having a wonderful long weekend. Well, it's only just begun, but it's so nice, isn't it? And it's great to have you along here. It's five past two, the first of June, the first day of winter. And you might be rugging up yourself and heading out to take your dog for a walk. Is that something you love to do? Or do you just cringe at the fact that your dog has no brains and no manners and you can't change them? Oh. The number here, 0800 844 747. And I urge you to line up a call because I'm very, very, I'm very excited, actually. <laughs> like an excited puppy, actually. It's really cool to have Darren Rowe with me. G'day, Darren. G'day, mate. Now, you're a dog behaviourist. What does that mean? Um, it means that I'm looking at, uh, if someone's got a problem dog, yeah. um, they come to me and I basically help them with their problems. But I help them with their problems and then I help their dog with their problems. That's a very good point. <laughs> Who has the majority of the problems, the owner or the dog? Uh, I'd say it's 50-50, um, but certainly the, the biggest changes in dog behaviour are through the owners understanding mm. what they're telling their dogs. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Oh, you've got a very distinctive accent, which makes me think of a, a lady from years ago from <clears throat> the UK called Barbara Woodhouse. Yep. What, what, oh, well, <laughs> do you not like her? Uh, Barbara Woodhouse was an amazing dog trainer in her time, mm. but I think the... the the mechanisms and the way that we train dogs has moved on quite considerably since it must have been, what, the 70s, 80s, I guess? I just remember yeah. her, yeah, she was very verbose and she would say, you need to hit words, like you go, what mm. a good dog. Yeah. And that was just how she sounded, by the way, yeah. too. Um, is yeah. it, oh, speaking of hitting, it's a fairly obvious question. You really shouldn't have to hit a dog, should you? No, I think I think if you hit a dog, it's more a reflection of you. Yeah. Um, so it's a mm. reflection of how you control your anger. Um yeah, it's, it's, it's never okay to hit a dog. It's never okay to hit anybody, really, is it? No, so, it's not. Yeah. But you've just kind of associated dogs with people. They are different, right? Um, yes and no. Um, so some people would say that the dog society reflects human society, mm. and I think there's a bit of a um, say that we're getting quite aggressive in our society and dogs are getting more aggressive. Yeah. So I think we have to understand that, that our behaviour affects our dogs quite considerably. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, Jeff, uh, no, so Attila, can I just ask you to turn the mic off for the guest for just a moment? And I'm just going to ask you to tip your mic up closer to your mouth. That's it. Brilliant. Thank you. And we're back live with you. Um, so, what was it that made you want to get into the job that you're doing? Because most people could not think of anything worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a, an amazingly gorgeous border collie, um, and he was a beautiful dog. Um, he was about three. He was the most well-behaved dog ever. Mm. Um, I can't say it was because of me. He was just naturally perfect. Um, he was awesome. And then one day a dog jumped into our garden and attacked him. And oh. literally overnight he changed into this rabid, crazy thing that, that just basically barked at every dog, mm. even went to bite dogs and it was beginning to get into people as well and and I did the, the the classic thing I went to all the dog trainers I probably spent an absolute fortune on trying to get information and to be honest nobody really gave me any um, information that, that worked oh. so over the next couple of years I kind of developed my own sort of ways of training a dog I guess um, mm. and that's how the mindfulness sort of stuff all came and I realized that most of it was about me calming down and not reacting when he was reactive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that had the biggest breakthrough, so. That's interesting now. You've used the word mindfulness. That's the name of your business, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I struggle to actually understand and put into practice <laughs> mindfulness. How on earth oh. do you get a dog to do it? I think, I think mindfulness is an interesting topic, isn't it? Because it means so many things to so many people. Mm. Um, for me, with the dog training, it's, it's really a cue for people to realise that it's actually their emotional state, their mindset that will dictate how their dog behaves and how their dog learns. Mm -hmm. So it's bringing attention that it's a partnership. It's not just a, the dog doing things when I tell it to do. Mm. Um, if I've had a really bad day at work, 
the last thing I want to do is take my dog out for a long walk because the chances are my dog's going to misbehave because I'm I'm causing that confusion in its mind. Ah, so, that's very interesting. Yeah. I have a question to come to, which I think is a brilliant question. It's actually not mine. My producer wrote mm-hmm. it for me. But if you do have questions, do make sure you call because this is your opportunity to get some free advice from Darren Rowe, our dog behaviourist from um, Mindfulness for Dogs. The question is, can dogs read our thoughts? <clears throat> so this is quite contentious. I, I actually think they can, um, and I think you see it all the time, and I think all animals can. Um, the classic example is that you stand there and, and you're just about to think, sit, and then your dog just does it. Yeah. Um, and, and we just we just sort of like brush it off as coincidence, don't we, all the time. But I actually think that the dogs do read our thoughts, and the more the more we build a relationship with our dogs the more that comes into play. And you, you see those amazing people out in the park where the dogs just seem to do everything. We're not saying anything to them. Yes. And I think they're just so cued into our to the way we're thinking that, um, that they just get it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Welsh Border Collies. Are yeah. they the smartest dog in the world? I think every dog is really smart. No, um, they're not. <laughs> no. <clears throat> see, so I'll, I'll throw this one at you then. Um, border Collies love to work, mm. so they're really keen to learn new things. But um, some of the other dogs, I won't mention a particular breed because that wouldn't be fair, but some of the other breeds who don't learn as quick, are they choosing to learn quickly or are they choosing to get away with having a really peaceful life where they're not pushed? Yeah. So some of those more we deem stupid dogs actually probably the clever ones. Yeah, yeah. Because they can get away with doing anything they want. You know, I, I agree <laughs> with you. And I see people trying to talk to the dog instead of having simple, bold commands. They're saying, I've asked you to sit down. I've told you not to do that with the couch. And the dog's going, I've got no idea what you're talking about, but clearly you're angry. Yeah. It doesn't so, work, does so it? So I think it's more the emotional state of the person that's a problem because when I talk to my dogs, I talk to my dogs as if they're people. So I say, mm. oh, Ginger, go over there and sit down, will you? Mm. And it may be she's picking up on the sit down, but it's my language is authentic. So, so therefore it means the same thing. So therefore my thoughts are probably more authentic as well. You just said dogs. How many dogs do you have? I've got seven dogs <laughs> at the moment, yeah. Oh my lord. <laughs> wow, you really do love dogs. Oh yeah. eight hundred eight double four seven four seven. I'll come to the call shortly. I just want to ask you, is there an association for people like you in New Zealand? Yeah, so I've actually just come from a conference, big conference in Auckland, um, with the Association of Pet Dog Trainers. Mm. And that's the APDTNZ. And um as I'm a member of that society, um, and there's about 150 members of that society, dog trainers in New Zealand, and if you go to one of those trainers, you know you're going to get what we call a force-free dog trainer, mm. um, and there's a whole code of ethics that we have to follow to make sure that we're not doing anything um, adversive, really nasty to your dogs. Mm. So it's a really good thing if you're looking for a dog trainer, go to that website, it's apdtnz.org.nz, yeah. and you can search for dog trainers in your area who are members of that association. Right. The other thing I want to touch on quickly is, do you think dog owners should be registered? Because some people buy the wrong dogs, right? Mm. Imagine buying a husky for an apartment, and yet you see that happening. You see it all the time, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, I do think dogs should be registered, but um, how much you can control what breed a person's allowed to have, I don't know mm. how you'd police it, mm. for one. Oh, um, but I think the most important thing is, that is education. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the societies out there um, really need to be pushing the correct education for what we choose. So I try and get people before they've got a dog to come to me. Yeah. Because then I can actually sort of look at their lifestyle and then choose a dog that fits their lifestyle. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. I would personally recommend the Border Terrier. If you don't know what a Border Terrier is, uh, I think they're the most delightful dogs. More get killed by road accidents than they do by disease because they're bulletproof in terms of disease, but they're pretty thick when it comes to roads. And my little dog, Max, he would look at me from 200 metres away when I'm yelling at him, telling him to get in. And he'd go, no, you're too far away. I'm going to keep going. So, so I could argue that um, 
when they get really excited, they kind of go above their threshold of thinking, I want to call it, yeah? Um, so they've gone into almost a flight and fight sort of phase. So it's not that they're not listening, it's they can't access that higher learning. So ah. that mindfulness brings them back down into that learning zone. Yeah. And then they can start to access some of that learning. Oh, so was... it's just a too hyped, too excited. He would take himself to Fincham Reserve. I live rurally. He'd take himself off to this reserve and go hunting rabbits all day. I don't know how he managed <coughs> to survive. Right, 0800 844 747. Let's have a chat to Peter. Hi, Peter. Yeah, hi there. <clears throat> hey, um, I've just got a question um, for the dog trainer. I just recently got a new puppy. Um, she's just nine weeks old now. <coughs> Already training her and that. But um, we're not, you know, I've been taking a meal off her, you know, feeding her and then making her sit and then once she's eating it, taking it off and, and then um, she's good with that. But uh, when I give her a treat like a pig's ear and you know, she's chewing it and then I t- try to take it off her, she gives me a bit of a growl. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if there's anything <coughs> I could do to sort of because she's, she's a big breed and um, obviously you want to knock that on the head as quick as yeah. you can. What kind of breed is she? She's a Dobie. Okay. Um, so, so the Dobie is actually a guarding dog. So yep. um, from the predator-prey drive, um, that, that's the kind of behaviour they're going to um, exhibit when they're quite stressed. Um, is there a particular reason why you're training them to sit before they feed? Uh, well, I'm just trying to... I'm just, I'm just, I mean, so, so, you know, we've had like three Dobermans before, but um, uh, yeah, they've obviously got diff- all got different temperaments, but... Mm. You know, just making sure she does something before you give her a treat. I mean, obviously, yeah. so just no, she's fine with the meal. Like I always make a certain, and then she has it, and then but then, like I say, with the treat. Yeah. Just well, wondering if I could do something because you know I want to be, make sure I can be able to take stuff off her mouth or these kids around. You don't want to. Yeah, definitely. So, so was she the runt of a litter at all? Do you know? She was the biggest. She was the biggest. Okay. Of four. Um, yeah, fe- female. Um, Okay, normally, so, so it probably works. So um, it's called resource guarding, um, where there's a resource that normally it's when it's um, they haven't got very much of it originally, um, okay. and then they, they, they guard that resource. So if she's yeah. taking food away, if you take that food away from her, and obviously yeah. I haven't seen the dog, so I can't say for sure, but if you take the food away from her, then she's yeah. more likely to guard something that she feels is really important to her. So okay. the best thing to do is, rather than taking it away from her, because you're making the yeah. situation worse, is to always have yeah. another yeah. one. Yeah. So yeah. rather than that, throw another one on the floor and then grab that one and then make it a game. You can have this one okay. if I have that one. You have this yeah. one if I have that so one. Just have to, have yeah. I just cut pig, pig's ears in half and just give her half and yeah. throw yeah. another half on the ground and... Yeah, and you can bring your kids into that as well so they can play the game. And that way you're not queuing into that resource guarding and that kind of yes. aggression coming out. Oh, Rather than trying guarding, to fight it, you're working with it. Yeah, and do you, is he drinking that to right with the meal though? Um, so, so it depends with the meal. If you're, um, there's another discussion, but if you're buying into the I have to be the alpha of my pack, then no. Yep, yep, um, yep. We used to have our dogs all feeding, all seven feeding in a straight line, and then we said, okay, now, to be honest, we just give the dogs the food and, and just say, go for it. Oh, um, yeah. It doesn't change the behaviours. No. Um, but if it's something you want to teach, then that's, that's not a problem because you can make it a game. Mm. There you go, yeah. Peter. Oh, awesome, man. Thank you very Cheers. much. Cheers. No hey, all the best. Hey, just on that, uh, by the way, if you've just joined in, <coughs> this is a, a brand new segment, and our doctor, uh, Francis Pitsillis, will be back. But this is our dog behaviourist, Darren Rowe, from Mindfulness for Dogs. I was always taught, and I've raised, if that's the right word, three dogs, yep. that everybody in the house should be able to take the food off a dog when it's eating because it's important in case mm. a kid goes and grabs it and gets their hand chewed off, right? Yeah, so so certainly you should be able to take your dog uh, food away from your dog. But if your dog's a resource guarder, mm. then that dog from a very early age, sorry, <coughs> as... Um, has been used to guarding what they feel is really important, particularly your rescue dogs. It comes into play a lot when a rescue dog's taken off the street. Food is a real resource that it's not had very much of. So if you start taking the food off a rescue dog, yeah. it's probably going to say, hang on, 
I need this, I want this, and it's going to start to be a little bit aggressive. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to encourage that. So no. you just give it lots of food. Sounds good. Yeah. Hey, look, you'll have questions. I've got so many questions. 0800 844 747. You may not even own a dog. You may want to have... You may want to learn something about how to behave around dogs if you're a nervous person. 0800 844 747. Hello, Ira, how are you? Thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Um, I have a um, Gordon Setter puppy. He is one, and he is a handful and a half. <laughs> I can I can go with you. I've got Irish Setters, so I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> he doesn't listen. He's just... He's, got a lovely nature i mean when you're talking about taking food i could take anything off him and yeah <coughs> beautiful nature just will he'll come and he'll sit and he'll stay and he'll lie down if i'm like two foot away yeah. but if give me six foot no nah, can't be bothered yeah. sorry and i've tried all of the rewarding treats he is not in the slightest bit interested in food so with the food is that when he's outside any food. Okay, any food. D- can you get any those behaviours? I think probably yes. Um, my ornaments on the coffee table, yes. My magazines, yes. But food, no. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so there's a few comp- there's a few issues there. Um, we'll, we'll see. If, we'll see if we can hit one. Um, my um, latest uh, Irish setter was we got at eight months old, and he he was quite a handful. But now he's a really calm dog. So um, you've got to decide what motivates your dog the most. Now, gun dogs, um, they're not necessarily chasers, biters, and things like that. So it's actually quite hard to motivate them. They do like to be chased. Um, so when they pick up something, they want to be chased, yes, which is you know where that. that where that horrible game comes in, where they grab your shoe and you chase <laughs> after them, and then it's just full on. Yeah. Yeah. Got that one. Um, but if if you're if you're chasing them when they got something appropriate, then you're kind of queuing into that um, that predator prey drive, and they're getting something out of it, natural mm-hmm. release. Um, in terms of the, are they listening? Um, if they're listening in the house, it's because it's really calm. When yep. they go outside, um, they can't. They may get so excited that again that they're just not able to listen because the brain chemistry has changed in such a way that they're not accessing that learning. Um, he's not even excited. He just looks at me and says, no, "I can't really be bothered at the moment," and you, he'll just sit down. Um, that might be a shutdown. Um, so if a dog just freezes and just sits down and doesn't do anything, that could be that he's so excited that he can't cope that he just sits down. So it's a weird thing that with dogs. Probably yeah. more like. Um, can I ask a quick question? When you've done your training um, and you say that he'll only do it in front of you, have you done lots of lure training? So you bring the treat down to the ground to do a down. Ah. Yes. Yeah. So, so when you do that kind of training, and, and we're back to Barbara Woodhouse, I guess, um, it's a very situ- situational training. So you have to be in front of the dog and it has to be to do with your hand coming down. So mm-hmm. what I'd probably recommend, I, I don't know where you are, but um, I'd recommend you look up and see if you can find a clicker trainer because clicker training is where you mark the behaviour, but it's not s- specifically about you being in a particular position. And that's where mm-hmm. you can extend the down to be, you know, 100 metres away. Gee. Yeah. 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 So that's probably what I recommend. Okay. Yeah. There we go, Ira. I hope that helps. We'll ha- we'll have this guy back. Don't you worry about that. And we'll we'll get some progress reports from you, Thanks, hopefully. <laughs> nice to hear from you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now. 0800 844 You must have a dog that needs something tweaking. <laughs> is it too late? How old is too old? We'll find out more soon. It's 21 past two. News. Politics. Business. Conversation. The Ryan Bridge Drive Show. Magic talk. Um, we've had the mother of all budgets, the black budget, the chewing gum budget, I seem to remember. This was supposed to be the well-being budget. So I'm going to go around the circle and ask you to, to give your catchphrase. I'll start with you, Bernard. The not enough. 
well-being budget. And the basic issue is that it's all irrelevant, all these well-being targets, when your anchor is 20% net debt. Mm. That says what you can and can't do. Yeah, I have decided to call it I'm feeling a bit better budget. I don't think it's I'm bouncing out of bed in complete health budget, but I'm feeling a bit better. For me, it'll always be the shambles and fiasco budget. I mean, have you? They, they, they've managed to even the cover, the family that were on the cover of the of the budget last year, they fled to Australia, and they were the people put on the cover. Keeping you informed on the drive home. The Ryan Bridge Drive Show. 3 to 6 p.m. weekdays. Magic Talk. 22 past two, and it's really good to have your company here on this Queen's birthday long weekend. You might be planning on going away with the dog, or you might be planning on leaving the dog at home because you just cannot get the dog to do what you want. You can find out some free advice here right now on 0800 844 747. I'm with Darren Rowe, a dog behaviourist from Mindfulness for Dogs. Uh, We had a quick chat then. I'll I'll come back to the call soon. But there'll be people like me wondering, how do I stop the dog dragging me along? Do I have food (coughs) treats in my pocket? What's the best way to stop that? So, so first of all, you want to think about why your dog isn't want, doesn't want to walk with you. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm all about relationship building. And if my dog has a really positive relationship with me, it, it kind of stands to reason why would it not want to be with me. Okay. So how do we build that positive relationship? Um, if we do it indoors, we can use food and my dog can look at us. We can click a train to say that's an appropriate position, all that kind of thing. But as soon as we go out in the, in the park, I hear it all the time, my dog has cloth ears yeah. um, and, and pulls all over the place and any of that training just doesn't seem to work. Yeah. So um, when a dog goes into the park, there's so much going on, there's so much stimulus that it, its brain just goes into a bit of a flurry, really, I guess, and, um, yeah. and it, it can't access any of that learning that it's learned in that calm state. Yeah. So, so there's two ways of doing it. You can calm a dog down and then retrain it and try and keep it really calm. But also you can then cue into that predator-prey drive, which is kind of nothing to do with food because the food, the olfactory system shuts down when they get too excited. Yeah, a bit, so, like, a bit like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you give a dog a treat and they spit it out, whereas oh. that's their favourite treat, you know. Really? So, yeah, definitely. Oh, wow. I've seen it all the time. But what you can do is you can use a toy. Okay. So if you really use toy play and motivate with toys, then that kind of seems to work when they're really excited and you can... Um, just keep them walking, walking with you, engaged in a toy. Brilliant. Um, it's a bit of training, though. It's a bit of hard work. Sometimes. It's all hard work yeah. and training. It's putting the time in. 0800 844 747. Hi, Murray. Hi, Murray. Yeah, good, good afternoon. G'day. Yeah, we've got a uh, three-year-old uh, Australian Terrier Schnauzer cross who's developed a couple <coughs> of problems. Um, Travelling in the car, he gets the shakes and separation issues. We can leave the house for a short time come back and um, the smell from the dog fretting is uh, yeah. quite bad. Yeah. Any... <clears throat> so so how old is your dog? Is that three years? Is it? Three years. Three yeah. years, yeah. So um, the separation anxiety and the shaking, they're all one of the same thing. They're all anxiousness. They're all based in that kind of fear that they don't really know what's happening. They can't understand when you leave, are you going to come back? They have no idea. So first of all, I'd say tell your dog you're going to be maybe five or six minutes. Sounds really silly. But it does actually work. <laughs> um, okay. But but also there's a whole load of other stuff going on there. Um, I'm imagining that there'll be a lot of possibly barking at sort of strange noises as well. Does yeah, that happen? Yeah, he probably barks a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's, so when a dog's quite stressed out, they they 
they start to show all these behaviours. The, the shaking can be because of the... Um, it's a bit like stress in humans, really. Um, when you get when you live in a, a world where your adrenaline levels are so high and your cortisol levels are so high, not to talk too much science, then then you start shaking. You go into that stress and that um, mm. that big stress thing. Um, so so the mindfulness techniques that I teach actually allow you to bring that dog down into that calm zone, and mm. you find that once they're once they've relaxed uh, a lot more, then um, the dogs don't tend to display these informations. But one thing to think about, when your dog kicks off and is being really silly, and that might be shaking, it might be barking, they're all the kind of the same thing, it takes nearly 72 hours for your dog to come back down to a relaxed state without any other stimulus. Wow. So um, lots of calm play inside, um, relaxing. When you take the dog into the car, um, you know, your food probably wouldn't work, but lots of calming. No, mm. Don't shout at your dog or anything when you're in a car, that's going to make it 10 times worse. Mm. Also, have you got, just to have an instant, have you got a car door that opens sideways or upwards? Uh, sideways. Sideways. That's not so bad because some of the ones that open upwards can really intimidate the dog as it comes down. That can make it worse. Um, also think about crating your dog in the car as well and covering it over the blanket. That sometimes helps. There you go, Murray. Okay. Hope that helps. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, worries, no worries. Good to hear from you. Hi, Janet. How are you today? Oh, I'm very good, thank you. Um, I wanted to talk to Darren. I've got a, a puppy. Uh, it's a, a foxy cross and I think it's Jack Russell. Okay. Yeah. And um, we also have a larger dog. Uh, she's sort of like a she's a rescue dog, and she's sort of like a lab. Um, but they get on really well, and they play really well together. But the babe, the puppy, um, is about nine to ten months, and she gets so excited about things. She barks and barks and barks, and we can't stop her barking. She like we we the other dog likes to jump up and and bite at bubbles. We blow bubbles for her. It's a treat, you know, like a game. Okay. And she'll jump really high and she'll attack the bubbles. The little one doesn't do that. She just stands there and barks and barks and barks at the bubbles, and the noise is deafening. <laughs> and then she doesn't calm. She doesn't. She keeps doing it, and we don't know what to do to yeah. calm her down and. Um, Should I put her in another room or, or, or what? You know, the obvious thing is not to blow the bubbles, I guess, but that's no fun yeah. for a dog, is it? Um, it's a, well, it's fun for the other dog. The other dog absolutely loves it, but the puppy gets herself yeah. wound up. In any other games that we play with the big dog, she wants to join in and she starts yeah. all this barking again. So, yeah. so it's really important when you've got a puppy and an older dog. How, how old is your old dog, sorry? Uh, four. Okay, so it's really important when you've got an older dog and a younger dog that you actually do train separately as well as together because yeah. otherwise that your puppy's probably learning more from your older dog. And if you think about that situation, your older dog is having so much fun is probably getting really quite excited about it. So it's natural for your young dog then to mimic that and copy and the way yeah. she gets excited or he gets excited is to bark. And if you think about what terriers do, that they're quite barking anyway, so that's, that's a natural mm. behaviour for your dog. So probably you would want to take that whole situation. If you want to train your terrier to be good around that, um, just one bubble, but just with a terrier. So take that situation out, just one bubble, and then, you know, oh, good dog when they're, when they're calm, and then a few more bubbles, and then bring the other dog in slowly, and then yeah. you sort of train it separately, and then bring it together. Give that a whirl, oh, Janet. But it is so an impulse do, control do thing. the puppy first, and yeah. then bring the older dog in. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought of doing it that way. There you go. Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, good. No worries. Oh, well, I can try that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good work. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, Janet. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, bye. 27 past two, the number here for some free dog advice, behaviour-wise, is um, 0800 844 Darren Rovers here from Mindfulness for Dogs. Tom, hello. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Roman and folks. Um, got, a, got an interesting question for me here. I have um, a dog whose mother was a pointer Labrador, deceased a while back, 
Now, he's under pretty good command, really. Um, he goes across one section and down the length of the other, gets the paper out of the box wow. when cool. we open the gate. Uh, he won't move. I put my hand up, won't cross the road. Pretty well behaved. Um, lots of other things. He goes box, and he goes into his box. Hmm. But he does not retrieve out of the water. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So... Again, if I, if I was to talk about the predator-prey drive, um, the gun dogs, which is what he is, um, they're not natural retrievers. Even though they're bred to retrieve, it's actually, and, and anyone that's got a gun dog who, who trains that kind of thing will probably appreciate how hard it is to teach a dog, particularly a retriever, to retrieve um, a toy. Sometimes they're naturally like that, but not very often. So you actually have to work quite hard with a gun dog to retrieve. Um, talk about my Irish setters, naturally they don't want to retrieve. Um, unless you train them around retrieving dogs like collies and then they kind of learn from that but naturally don't the way to do it is to do it in front of you so he's on a lead and you give him the toy and then you take it back you give him the toy take him back and then a little bit further and and you're teaching that um the recall really with a toy in his mouth you think it like that rather than the retrieve it's a recall with a toy how's that tom way of thinking about it um my hearing is not the best i must have that but by the way i'm 80 now i've had dogs all my living memory and I myself, since I was 16, had um, all kinds of um, bird dogs. This is the first one I've ever had that didn't automatically retrieve. Oh, okay. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, Tom, it sounds like you've got the dog well under control, so all the very best, and we'll... Um, I've just yeah, got a mark. duck shooting finishes on, on Wednesday. Oh, and yeah. thinking whether I'd like him to bring back a duck. I bet you would. <laughs> Nothing like a good bit of roast duck for Queen's birthday. Yeah. All the best, Tom. Thank you. Cheers, bye, bye now. Yvonne, hello. Hello, Yvonne. I think Yvonne's gone. Shame. Attila, we got a, a Yvonne there? No, she's gone. Okay, Harmony, hello. Roman. G'day. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, good, good. And, and Darren, is it Darren? It is, yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, I've got three Border Collie crosses now. You may hear them. They're rough and tumbling in the background. <laughs> now, but, um, what I'm trying to do, the two puppies, <laughs> they're, they're six months old. And mother will be pretty good. I can leave her out. We've got a five-acre um, lifestyle block, and she'll pretty much stay in the yard. Um, if she starts to wander beyond the boundary, I can just call her back, and she'll come back in. Um, the the young ones, if I let them out, they'll they'll have a great Yahoo out in the yard. <laughs> out <Can> the hear <laughs> they'll have a great Yahoo out in the yard until they get bored, and then they want to head over to the to the neighbor's sheep. Right, Ooh. and they don't—they're not attacking the sheep or anything like that. They just instinctively want to round them up. Mm. Yeah. Now, what what do you re- <laughs> what do you recommend is the best way to convince them that it's not on the menu? So, are they going to be doing? Are they going to be working at all, or they're just pet dogs? Well, I don't really have the work for them. I've got horses, and yeah. and I'm I'm trying to keep them uh, entertained, but we don't really have sheep work for them to do. Yeah. So, um. I'm I'm trying to get them to understand what the boundaries of the yeah. of the, the block are and uh without using shock collars or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I certainly I mean I, I certainly don't recommend using shock collars for yeah. that kind of thing. But um it's a it's a very difficult one because you're you're going against the instinctual breed there to chase sheep. I know. what I would say it's really it's really important because if they do run into a farm and, and that farmer's I think in New Zealand's got the right to shoot the dog and that's the last thing you want, just young pups doing that. Okay, he so, wouldn't be doing that. This I know them okay. I know the neighbour and he that's, understands that's what the situation so, is but So it might be worth having a chat with him and saying, Look, this is a situation. Yeah. At least then he's aware of that. Yeah. Um but 
training can take a while with those with a, a herding dog. So yeah. I would be looking at a physical way of preventing your dog from making the mistakes first, because then there's safety first. Right. And then you can start to cue into that chase behavior in a, in a positive way. Um, mm. and, and I'd probably recommend that you engage a trainer to help you with that, because it can be quite a difficult journey. Potentially, right. especially when you've got young dogs like that, because mm. yeah. they're, they're you know they, they want to get out there and they want to do everything. They don't know why they're doing they do. it. They don't know why, but they, yeah. they have to. Yeah. They're hardwired to do it, right? Yeah, that's right. How many? I hope that helps you. All the best, yeah. and nice to hear from you. Okay, mate. Ch- hey, cheers. Take care. Look, this is just going off like a frog in a sock, <laughs> but we can't go on forever. I know I'd love to as well. We've got Shannon Lush coming up too with stain removal. You might have some dogs that have created those stains, but we're going to stick with this for just a few more minutes with Joe. Hello, Joe. Yeah. Hi. How are you going? Yeah. Hi, good. Yeah, I've got a little virgin freeze. Well, she's not little. She's um, about four, but she will go toilet. Um, I work from oh, about half a state till I'm home bank, half a two. She will still do weave inside on, yeah. on the carpet, but yeah. on the mat. On the mat. So, so yeah. when it's it's quite a common thing with um with dogs, and I'm assuming she lives inside. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a long time for a dog to be indoors by themselves without having to eliminate themselves, yeah. Um, so um, one of the things you can do, uh, will she, if she's in, does she crate it at night time? Sorry? Is she crated at night time? Does she live in a, does she sleep in no, a No, 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 she just, she goes from room to room, but she has got a cat door which she knows to go yeah. out. Okay. <laughs> if it's raining, sometimes those little ones don't want to go and get themselves wet. They're quite clever like that. <laughs> um, what you can do is you can um, get a crate um, it's not a cage, it's a crate, as I say, and you can teach them to hold that bladder. And it's a little bit of stress, I guess, with the dogs if they're waiting for you, they don't know when you're going to come. Um, but the mat's an interesting one because um, when you first got them, did you take them out onto the grass or did they...? Um, I'm pretty sure it's actually my daughter's dog. She's been with me about a year, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so the the kind of feel on their feet is almost a trigger for them going to the toilet. Yeah. So grass and carpet feel very similar. <laughs> so okay. it's quite hard for them if they're really desperate. I mean, they try and hold, I guess, but if they're really desperate, then that, that can sometimes trigger it. It would do. I would go back to crate training because crate training is a way that you can start to um, get them to hold that bladder muscle because it's just the training of the bladder muscle, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I'm working on it personally as mm-hmm. well. Hey, Joe, thank you so much for that. <laughs> I hope you I hope that goes well and, and all the best. We'll hear back from you, no doubt, because we will get this guy back. He's brilliant. It's Darren Rowe from Mindfulness Dogs, a dog behaviourist. Now, Darren, if people have missed out on you today and they want to catch up, how do they find you? So you can um, find my website. It's just mindfulness dogs the number four, um, yeah. .com, um, and I think .co.nz as well. Um, or you can give me a ring. Um, can I send my number? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, so it's 0274-585-5872. Oh, it should be 0800, pull yourself to get a silly <laughs> dog or something. But I'll then... look into that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably available. Look, I'd, I'd love to have you back again. Thank you so much. There's great, been yeah. a lot of a positive feedback here, which I don't have time to go through at the moment. Thank you, Darren.